0: Western bacon cheeseburger, cheese bacon, Western bacon cheeseburger, I'm talking Carl Jr., pick it up, Western bacon cheeseburger, Carl Jr., pick it up.
1: giant. With well, a giant move, he's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate
0: him. Got closer. Got closer. Got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed
1: his head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over and there are two small gray entities
0: pulling it and they're literally i'm getting pulled off the bed
1: i saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end reach up underneath the door curl up to grab it and then disappear
0: it's almost like they're unzippering our reality they stick their heads through it and they look around and if it looks like it's, the coast is clear they step through the rest of the direction if you pick the head you get the whole package if you don't take the head off then what happens is they disappear
1: this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed but no one was close to talk about it. but
2: then I look over to my left at the far side of the room and there's Jack and he's got blood on his face
0: he looks at me and he just says one word oops i've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers i reach my hand into this bush and i touch air
2: couldn't breathe And I couldn't move because I know I'm
0: seeing a monster.
1: Welcome
3: to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Now, I want to let everybody know that we do have some new sections on the website. We have a blog now that you can check out underneath the blog section. And we also have a section for searching. If you want to find anything that's on the website, you can go ahead on the search bar and type in an episode or a keyword, and it will find everything that's on the website right there on one page for you that relates to your search. So have fun with that. I hope that helps some people find things on the website as far as old episodes go and things like that. I also want to let you guys know that I am looking to start a new part of the Confessionals podcast called I Survived. And these are going to be survival stories that people come forward and share these traumatic experiences that they had and they came out alive. If you have a story like that that you'd like to share on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. And before we get into the iTunes reviews, I want to let you know we do have a special mashup mix at the end of this show. It's about 25 minutes long that I created for people who are always emailing me, asking me, can you make a mix for me so that I can work out to it and things like that? Well, this is a 25-minute mix just for you guys. It is for free download on the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, in the description of this show. Now, this week's iTunes shout-outs is One Bad Apple, Big T7582, Little Boy Blue Kenny, Just Think About It, and Backwoods Buffalo. If you want to get an iTunes shout-out, go to iTunes and leave a rating or review, and I will shout you out on next week's show. And anybody who's been leaving a rating and review on the outside of the United States, up to this point, I've been unable to see them, but now I have figured it out. So if you go ahead and leave another rating and review, I will see it and we will be able to get you a shout-out on the following week's show. Now, for this week's Patreon shout-outs, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals, and there you'll see different levels of rewards that you get for different levels of becoming a patron. So if you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals, and this week's shout-outs is Viddy, James C., Quinn R., Mark P., Cameron M., Sam L., Kaylee L., Doug D. and Terrell T. So thank you very much for going to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and helping to support the show. It means a lot to me that you guys are willing to help support the show and help build this show to a bigger, better future. Now this week we have Missy coming on and Missy has had a lot of haunting experiences throughout her life and then she dives into a Bigfoot encounter that she had while she was driving her car. It's a very fascinating show. So go ahead and sit back, relax, and we're going to get into it right after this. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. (sighs) The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360
2: Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.
3: Okay, tonight we have a guest coming on, Missy. Missy, how are you tonight?
2: Good, good. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's it's, uh, it's a fun time anytime I get a chance to record. So uh, I'm glad that we're getting back at it. I know last week, uh, we were supposed to record last week on Wednesday, and I had to cancel because we had this killer snowstorm in the uh, Northeast. And, you know, I was in my tractor trailer, and I got stuck like five times. And then when I decided to come back to the terminal, I was calling it quits. I almost jackknifed going down the turnpike twice, and it was just a nightmare. And so, oh, no. <laughs> even even if I did get home in, in in time, I was I was so fried mentally, I was not going to be able to you know produce a podcast at all. Right. I was just done. So uh, I appreciate your grace with me and in moving into this Thursday. Uh, I really appreciate that no problem. a lot. No So no problem. Uh, Tonight, you want to share some different experiences that you've had during your life. I mean, you want to talk about a house that was haunted. And uh, also, you want to talk about some Bigfoot experience that you had. So, we're going to start with the haunted house first. So, if you would, just, I know you were in Michigan when this happened. So, uh, whose house was this and uh, what had happened?
2: Okay. Um, this was in Michigan. It was in a, a town called Rochester, Michigan, which is an old town. And it was right in the downtown quote-unquote historic area of town. And I had moved out of my parents' house and moved in with my then-boyfriend, who ended up being my first husband. But um, So I moved in with him and his sister. And it's a home that his parents had purchased back in the probably 30s and had lived there. Um, Both of his parents passed away. His mother passed away actually in the house. His father didn't. But... Um the house was they bought it in the thirties. It was probably built in I wanna say the early nineteen hundreds, like maybe nineteen oh something, 1910, 1908, something like that. And um it was a really old house and it had, you know, the um the radiators with the steam that would go through it and make a bunch of noise and hiss and all that. It had those kind of radiators and it had in the basement it had a um big fuel tank that the truck would come and put the pipe through the basement window and fill up the fuel tank. And then the furnace was like one of those Freddy Krueger furnaces. It was, it was an old, old house. And his parents had lived in the house and he had been raised in the house and his brothers and sisters had all been raised in the house. Well, um, when I was about 18 or 19, I moved out and I moved into that house with him, he was like three or four years older than me. And then his sister's 10 years older than him. So she was close to thirty. We were probably nineteen, twenty, around there somewhere. And um, the house—I have to kind of give you a small layout of the house so when I tell you things, you'll understand. So the the like I said, had the old radiators and old furnace and all that. To go upstairs, there was actually a door, and you opened the door to the upstairs, and it was one of those upstairs that had the slanted ceilings, So it was a, it wasn't an attic. It was actually an upstairs, but it had the slanted feelings and all that. And it was just a small bedroom and a bathroom up there. And then when you went through the kitchen, you would open a door and you would go down about two steps. And to your left was a door that went out the back. And to your right was the stairs that went down to the basement. So, when you open, when you came in the back door, you open the door straight ahead of you is the basement stairs and to your right is another door. You go into the kitchen. So we were living in this house and like I said, his mom actually passed away in this house. And I believe that there was somebody who passed away in the garage at some point, And there may have been one other person that passed away in the house, but I'm not sure on that, but this house had always, no matter what you were doing, almost all the time you felt like somebody's watching you. Like you just get that feeling like somebody's watching you. And um, it was really unnerving a lot. And I I used to get that all the time in that house, just get that creepy feeling like somebody is watching you. Um, Part of the time that we lived there, we lived in the back bedroom on the first floor where was actually the bedroom that his mother passed away in. And then, part of the time we lived there, we lived in that upstairs little bedroom with the slanted ceiling. So, um, when I had first moved in there, there was um, we were in the on the main floor in the back bedroom, and we were staying there. And um, she had a the bathroom was right next to that bedroom, and the bathroom had the all-foot tub, and it had the um, the toilet where you pull the chain, the tank was like up on the wall and you pull the chain to, to flush the toilet. So it was all like, you know, super old stuff, but we didn't, and there was no shower. So if you wanted to get clean, you had to go bath. So, um, I came home early from work. One time I was work at the time, I was working in a sheet metal factory and I would just get nasty at work. So I came home and I was taking a bath and there was nobody home. Cause his sister and him were both at work and I'm home by myself in the afternoon, which is great. I was loving it. Like, I'm just going to relax. And I go, this was probably not very long after I moved in there. I go in, I fill in the tub, I'm sitting in the tub and I'm just putting my head back on the tub, closing my eyes, just trying to relax. And I hear what sounds like somebody's walking around. Now this house had those, um, hardwood, like Oak floors with the, um, or you call them slats or, you know, like pieces of oak, the hardwood flooring. And so when somebody walked um, in that house, you could hear it. Not like it was super loud, but you hear creak and crack on the the wood floor. So I'm in the tub and I'm thinking, did somebody come home? Because I didn't hear the front door open because all the windows were that single pane glass, that single pane glass that would rattle in the windows and when, and that glass is also in the front door. So whenever somebody came in the front door, you would hear the glass in the door rattle a little. Not, not again, not real loud, but you could definitely tell somebody came in because you'd hear even the windows in the front room by the porch would would rattle a little bit. And I said, you know, I, I didn't hear anybody come in. I don't. This this is really weird. I know nobody was here when I got home because nobody's car was here, and you know, somebody would have heard me come in and said, Hey, you know, what are you doing home? So I know nobody's home. So I'm going to tell and I'm, I'm hearing these footsteps and they're coming closer and closer to the bathroom. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe somebody broke in because at the time at the risk of whatever at the time, um, the person I was with, my boyfriend, he did sell some stuff. So there was quite a bit of money in the house sometimes. And I thought somebody knows what he's got and, or something. And somebody's sneaking around trying to find money or whatever. So I tried to stay super quiet and it was daytime. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, the light was on, you know, somebody could see that I was in the bathroom because the light coming from the door, anything like that. Cause it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm sitting there in the tub and I'm just trying to be quiet. And I'm literally trying not even to breathe. Cause I'm like, if I breathe, they're going to hear me. Cause I'm scared if somebody's in the house, they've got a gun or a knife or whatever. And I'm sitting there and it's quiet. And then I hear the footsteps and they're getting closer and closer. And I swear to God, the doorknob started to turn and I'm like, um, this is it. Um, somebody's going to find me. I had the door locked, but the doorknob started to turn and I'm in there just kind of like, Like I said, literally, I'm not, I'm not going to breathe. I'm not going to do anything. I don't even want, I don't even, I can hear my heartbeat so loud that I'm afraid they're going to hear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching and it turns a little bit and it turns a little bit and then it stops and it just kind of turned back the way, you know, back to normal. And then I heard the floor creaking. And then I heard nothing. So I waited for about, I don't know, 20 minutes, but it felt like 20 hours. And I'm still all, like holding my breath and I get as quietly as I can out of the tub without making a bunch of water noise, wrap a towel around me. And I'm trying to walk quiet and I creak the floor and the doors and everything else. And I, um, peek out the bathroom door and I don't see anything. And I start rolling around the house real quiet. Everything's locked up. Nobody's there. And this is my first, had only lived there about a month. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? This is really weird. I mean, it freaked me out. I ended up getting dressed. I left and I went to my mom's who lived about a half hour away at the time. I'm like, uh, you know what? I, I got to get out of here for a minute because that was just weird. Well, then it wasn't too long after that. I was laying in bed and my, um, the guy I was with, my boyfriend and his sister had left to go do something. I'm not sure where they went, but I was home by myself and I'm laying in bed and I have the lights on because I'm kind of watching TV and I'm, I'm not really dozing off, but I'm tired and I'm laying there and we had by the there was a window by the, um, Bed kind of like right by where I was laying, and then the opposite side of the room, there were two other windows that um but up looked out over the driveway. So I'm, I'm just kind of laying there chilling, and all of a sudden, at the same time, all three windows at the same exact time bam bam bam. And and like I said, they're the single pane glass window, so it wasn't thump thump thump, it was like really loud, rattly bang 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 bang. It was three bang 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 and but all three windows at the same time. And I'm like there's no way somebody could coordinate that, you know, with three people because I jumped up and I ran to the window in the driveway which was totally lit up by a street light and I looked at the other window that was by my head in the backyard, nothing. And there's no way three people could have done that bang 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 and gotten out of range of the street light. And me not see them running away. That really freaked me out. Well, I think it was about a half hour later, I was still freaked out, and they came home. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. But all three windows went, and they were like, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. And it was just absolutely, it was it was horrible. And then I had... um my mom had taken a trip to Texas and she had brought back myself with her sister and her and her sister brought back myself and my cousin, um, And at the time, um, that movie, the outsiders was like a big movie when we got them. So like hers was soda pop and mine was pony boy or vice versa. And we had these birds. Well, when I moved into this house with them, I took the bird with me. And, uh, that bird was not very old because those birds can live for a long time. That bird was not very old, but, um, I had it in the, um, living room because our bedroom was kind of cold and they're like tropical birds. So you have to kind of keep them warm. So I had it not like right on the register or by the register, but in the same room with the register to try and keep it as warm as possible. And, um, I woke up one day and it was just dead. Like, I didn't hear anything. There was no reason. It, it was never sick. It was never, it, it was just weird that it just happened to just almost it just drop dead on me. And my my cousin had the bird's um, sister. It was the same, you know, pretty much the same exact bird, same exact breeding and everything. And hers lived for like another, oh, years. But and that as soon as I got to that house, I wasn't in that house very long and then I just found that bird was just dead and it really upset me. And then um oh my gosh, so much stuff happened in this house. So I'm in the back bedroom and we had property up north in northern Michigan and um like forty acres. And um we had a cabin and his sister had a cabin across the street. Um, up here in Northern Michigan. So they were going to go up North for the weekend and they were going to work on the cabins. And I had just started this job, this sheet metal working job. I hadn't been at it very long and I couldn't take um, the weekend off because we were on mandatory overtime and this and that. So I, I couldn't go. So they went up North. Well, they were supposed to be home Sunday night. So Sunday night comes and I'm laying in my, in the bed, in the back bedroom and I'm laying in the bed and I hear, I remember, you go in the kitchen, you open the door, immediately to your left is the back door, immediately to your right is the downstairs. And so you come in the back door, straight ahead is the downstairs, to your right is the kitchen door. So I'm laying in bed, and my bedroom, the wall of my bedroom backs up against the um, the stairs that are going downstairs. The They share a wall. So I'm laying in bed, and I'm just, kind of relaxing, looking at the clock, wondering when they're going to be home, feeling kind of creeped out, like somebody's watching me, like I always did. And I hear the back door open and coming in and boxes and going downstairs and stuff moving around in the basement. And I'm like, oh, thank God they're home. I'm so glad they're home. I didn't hear any talking, just moving and stuff moving in the basement. I thought, well, they must have brought home stuff from the cabin. They're in the truck. They're putting it all in the basement. And this went on for a few minutes, and nobody came in the house. And I was like, well, I'll just go say hi and, you know, see what's up. And I come around the kitchen and I go over through the kitchen, open that door to the basement, silent and pitch black. I about, I literally about wet myself. I just literally turned around and ran. I grabbed my keys in my pajamas, no shoes or anything. I grabbed my keys in my purse, I ran out the front door. Got in my car, drove to my mom's and stayed the night at my mom's. I'm like, there's no way I'm staying there by myself after when I opened that door, I mean, you fully expecting to see lights on, people moving, Hey, what's up? And you open it and it's pitch black hole to the downstairs and there's nothing. I was like, mm, no, I'm out. I'm done for now. I'm not. Yeah, no. Well, we went when, and I told you we had lived in the, that downstairs bedroom. And then eventually we moved to the upstairs. And again, you had to open a door, you go up the stairs, and then you had to immediately hairpin turn back the other way to go into the room. So I was downstairs. I went downstairs. We were in bed. It was late at night. And I, I wanted to drink the water or I don't remember what, for whatever reason I had to go downstairs. And I went downstairs and... Um, did whatever I had to do and I was coming back upstairs and I opened the door. I start going up the stairs. I shut the door about halfway up the stairs and I hear somebody coming up the stairs behind me and I just, I just took off running as fast as I could up the stairs because I know there was nobody behind me. I shut the door and the house was pitch black and my sister-in-law was sleeping, so I know nobody was behind me. I just ran and I ran so fast that I literally... I ran, I went to jump over my boyfriend. He thought I was going to jump on him or something. And instinctively he kind of like put his leg and his arms up like, ah, and I hit him just right. And I broke my, um, my, the bone in my hand when I, when he did that because I was running so fast and I jumped. So I was so scared. I, I broke the bone in my hand running from, cause there was somebody, I heard somebody on the stairs behind me. Wow. And yeah, it, that house is just, you know how you, it's just, it's just not right. I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, you know, the people that died there or if it's just, I mean, the house is really old, so I'm, I know there was people that lived there before them, but I don't, I, it was just, um, really bad, not bad. I didn't feel quote unquote evil or menacing. It was just things like that would happen, and it was just really, really um, scary. And I had um, put... um, One time I had put my son in a bouncy chair. He was just like a month old. It was my first child. He's almost 26 now. He's got three kids of his own, but when he was just a teeny, tiny little thing, and I had set him on the table in the dining room, on his bouncy chair, not near the edge or anything, just, you know, on the, not in the middle, but on the table, nice and steady. And I was turned around, do something in the kitchen. I don't know exactly what I was doing. I heard a thud and he had come off the table and flipped over. And when I turned around, the bouncy seat was upside down with just his feet sticking out. And he actually fractured his head. And I, I was just, I was, I have no idea how he came off. I mean, even if he had been bouncing, which he really wasn't old enough to know how to bounce that chair, you know, um, vigorously. But even if he had, there was no way that he could have bounced that 12 inches to the edge of the table or 18 inches, whatever it was. It was quite a ways. There's no way he could have done that, especially in that amount of time. And he just went flat right off the table. And uh, that happened in that house too. And I I didn't live there at the time. We had already moved out, but I had gone back to um, visit and stay with my sister-in-law for a little bit because she had uh, back surgery. And that happened while we were there. And I was like, I just don't see. And I have a hard time believing that it was my boyfriend's mother because that was her grandson. Why would she flip her own grandson on the floor right. and fracture his skull? You know, here I am, brand new mom. This is my first baby. I had him a month that I broke him already, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was really upset. <laughs> I mean, they were calling in pediatric neurosurgeons because he had swelling. I was freaking out. I mean, everything ended up fine. Nothing ended up wrong with him. But when you're going through it all, you're trying to figure out what happened and I i have no explanation how he came off that table. None. Because he was only like six weeks old or something. I mean, just tiny. Not big enough to, to do it himself at all. So, and weird things happened in that garage. It was a detached garage and it was a little um, it was like a, they call it like a one and a half car garage. Not that anybody has half a car, but bigger than a one car, not as big as a two car. So they call it a one and a half car garage and it was detached. And it was, um, also built just like the house hand built, you know, Oak and all that. And, um, I had heard at some point that somebody had hung themselves in the garage years and years and years before it wasn't any relation to the family. And I'm actually not even a hundred percent that that's true. That's just what I heard. But my boyfriend at the time was a butcher. That's what he did. And so in Michigan, when deer season came around, we would do deer processing in the garage and we'd be out there till three o'clock in the morning processing deer when we'd get really busy and I'd be out there by myself trying to clean up and get things, you know, he'd be in wrapping the meat and getting that all cleaned up and I'd be outside trying to get the other all cleaned up and weird things would happen. He'd put something down. And you'd go back to get it. Literally two seconds later, it's not there. It's not where you left it. But you're the only one in the garage. Um, just all kinds of weird things would happen in that garage. But most of the stuff that scared me to death happened in the house. And um, there was a, a he had a friend that used to come over all the time. And everybody called him Ruger. And he wasn't right. There was something wrong with him for just as an example. I cut my finger one time we were doing something and I cut my finger and I was like, Oh, I cut my finger. And before I could even react, he grabbed my hand and stuck my finger in his mouth and I'm like ripped it out of his mouth. I'm like, that's disgusting. What are you doing? You know, the, the guy just creeped me out and I came home one day and I'm home by myself, it was like early afternoon and I come home and I'm walking through the house and I kept thinking out of the corner of my eye that I'm seeing somebody, you know? And I'm like, this is weird. Well, I walked in the kitchen and I look out the back door and he's sitting there just staring at me on the picnic table, looking through the back door, staring at me. He'd been walking through the house. I'd been seeing him out of the corner of my eye through the windows. And I'm like, okay, this house isn't creepy enough and I need you out here creeping around. Yeah, worse.
3: that's crazy. And he was
2: like, yeah, and he was like, Come into the house and be talking to people when there's nobody there, and, I was, I was, and being that he wasn't right in the head, he had actually—I—I I, I feel bad. I shouldn't say he wasn't right in. The, he had actually had a brain injury. He had been in a car accident, and he had some kind of a brain injury. And he—it doesn't make him any less creepy, but he had—it wasn't—he wasn't just weird. It, it was, you know, this head injury. But he would talk to people you know, where there'd be 10 people in the house and he'd be over in the corner talking to the wall and you're like, Oh, okay. But you know, hindsight, I wonder if he wasn't talking to somebody, maybe he could see somebody that I couldn't. Right. I don't know. But that house was really weird. And the house is still there, still in the family. And actually, uh, my sister-in-law still owns it, but she lives up North now. And her nephew lives in the house with his wife. And I want so bad to ask them if like stuff happened because it was ugh. I was so glad when she got rid of that furnace because that that was the creepiest furnace. It was literally like one of those Freddy Krueger furnaces, and it would go out all the time. So in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter, you would have to go down there with the and we had a roll of toilet paper and matches right next to the furnace because you had to like um, roll up a. Little skinny thing at toilet paper, so you could reach the flame part, light it on fire, stick it in there, and light that furnace. Because it would go out all the time. So you're in the middle of the night, down in the basement, trying to light this Freddy Krueger furnace, and it feels like there's somebody behind you. I just, oh, I hated that house. If the furnace went out when I was home by myself, I would just either leave or freeze to death because I wasn't going to go down there and light that furnace. I can tell you that right now.
3: <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> yeah it sounds like it so let's just take a break right now when we come back we'll get right back into things with missy
0: Rocky Elmore, author of Out on Foot, and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony.
3: Nobody else has ever saw anything or experienced anything that seems to be just isolated incidences with you, I'm assuming?
2: You know what? I don't know, but they're the kind of people that if they had experienced anything, they would either A, keep it to themselves, Or B, just deny it completely. It never happened. That's just the kind of people they, you know, how some people are just like, Nope, it's not there. I refuse to see it. Even if it slaps me in the face, it's not there. That's kind of what I was dealing with. So if they had experiences, I don't know because they never shared them with me. But I find it hard to believe that they lived in that house their whole lives and never had anything ever happen to them like happened to me.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, if it's happening to you that much, I I imagine other people experience stuff as well. They're just not talking about it. Uh, You know,
2: I've had had other like friends tell me that that when they would come over, they would say stuff like, you know, this house feels weird. I feel like somebody's watching me. You know, I thought I just saw somebody go into the living room or, you know, little things like that. My friends would tell me stuff like that, but those two would never, even if they experienced it, they would never say anything.
3: That sucks because it'd be nice for you to feel to talk to somebody that maybe experienced something as well, you know, because like when you tell them you're telling me the story about, you know, hearing something banging on all the windows at one time. I mean, that, that's scary. That's like legit scary. Now I kind of have a, I guess I already built in fear of windows at night, but like that's that, that takes it <laughs> to another level. I mean, I, I I saw something out a window once, and you know, it, I I saw two eyes looking in at the window, and it scared me so bad for oh. for the longest time. I couldn't look out the window when it was dark out. To this day, when it's dark out, I close all my blinds. Like I, I don't want the windows open, and uh, so to hear something banging on the window, that had to be so scary.
2: It was, it was terrifying, but like I said, they, you know, all oh, was kids playing around or it was a raccoon or it was, you know, whatever somebody down the street lived up an M80 and it was the shock or just whatever. I mean, it's anything except it was weird, you know, but it was only those three windows in the whole entire house, only those three windows in the room that I was in. So I, if it was, I don't know, it, there was something going on in the house but they just would not, would never see it. Or I'm sure they saw it. They just, you know, you know how some people just always write it off as, oh, that was just a raccoon or that was just the cat or that was, you know, whatever. But some things, like when I was in the bathtub and I heard those footsteps and then that that doorknob started to move, I seriously thought I was going to have a heart attack. I thought I can hear my heart so loud in my head right now but there's no way whoever's on the other side of the door cannot hear it. And I was holding my breath because the slightest little breathing noise, they're going to know I'm here and they're just going to bust through that door. And the bathroom, the scary thing too is the bathroom was like, I don't know, eight feet by eight feet. I mean, it was just this tiny little bathroom. It had a the claw tub, the little toilet with the tank with the chain and a pedestal sink. And that was it. And it was all kind of crowded together in there. So, you know, there's nowhere for me to go if somebody busts in here. I'm just here. So it was really scary. And I, I just can't believe that. I think I heard, I think my, my sister-in-law might have said one time that she thought somebody had broke into the house because she was upstairs and thought she heard somebody downstairs. But she didn't. So it must have been something from outside because the windows were open or something. But I have a feeling that she experienced stuff. For sure, but she just didn't say anything.
3: Yeah, and when you were talking about it being in northern, Mi- was this in northern Michigan that this is happening?
2: No, this was in Rochester, which is in the Detroit Metro area. Um, okay, it's by, it's about um, an hour north of Detroit, and then eventually I had moved to northern Michigan, which is where the other stuff happened. Was in um, northern Michigan up between Gaylord and Alpena, which is only about 30 minutes south of the bridge between the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula. It's the top of the mitt. Um, So we call the top of the mitt because Michigan looks like a mitten. At the top of the mitt is where I lived for about 20 years. Then I moved back downstate and then two years ago, I moved down here to Florida.
3: Okay. Yeah. I kind of know where Rochester is. I, I actually drove out that way for work for one week, and I did a lot of deliveries in Detroit and surrounding areas, so uh, familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, And so you eventually moved near the Upper Peninsula where other things happened. Uh, Before we get into those things and stuff, uh, what's it like living in that area? You know, I hear stories of people talking about the Upper Peninsula and how a lot of weird things happened there and stuff. I mean, you weren't living you know, in the upper peninsula, but you were pretty darn close to it. Uh, what's, you know, do people talk about the upper peninsula as a, a weird place and stuff locally, or is that something that just kind of you hear more on YouTube?
2: Um. Well, I lived close to the upper peninsula, but my daughter attended um, Michigan Technological University and she actually lived in the upper peninsula up in um, the Hancock Houghton area, which is almost as far as you can go in the upper peninsula. Um, and, st- not be in Canada. So, um, yes, weird things happen up there. Um, it's extremely beautiful up there, very sparsely populated. It's, uh, it's, you know, almost like Alaska or something. Like there's just these little tiny towns that don't have very big populations and they're few and far between. There's a lot of just open native land up there. And if there was ever a place for a cryptid, I believe 100% they could be in the upper peninsula of Michigan because there's not a lot of people up there. And there are a lot of strange things that happen up there, um, especially around the Straits area and the Mackinac area and Mackinac Island. Um, There are, you know, there's a fort in Mackinac Island that's been there for hundreds of years. Weird things happen there. There's a lot of native American um, landmarks and, And, um, properties that, you know, where the Native Americans lived hundreds of years ago, areas that they wouldn't go into because they were, you know, the devil's this or the devil's that. And, um, gas, no, there, there's a lot of weird things that do happen in the upper peninsula of Michigan. It's a, it's a very strange place, but it's not a scary place. It's very, actually very therapeutic and you can actually get, um, there's a lot of rock up there and there's certain types of rocks that you can almost feel the energy coming off them. Like it, it, um, gives, gives you energy. It, it makes you feel good to get this vibe that's up there. Yes. A lot of weird things happen, but not like scary, weird things, just things that make you go, huh, you know, and it's um it's, it's really beautiful up there, it really really is, but you know if you like being up to your armpits in snow in the wintertime, then hey, go for it but um <laughs> if you, if you don't that's not the place for you unless you go up there in the summertime but it's it's very beautiful and it there's a lot a lot a lot of history of of um fur traders and Indian wars and just all kinds of of history up there, and it's very. Very, very interesting place. Um, But, yes, weird things do happen. That's not just a myth.
3: Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, because I've heard of these, you know, different stories coming out of, you know, the Upper Peninsula. And, uh, you know, everybody that I heard tell these stories, they make it sound like the Upper Peninsula is some kind of creepy, scary place to be. You don't want (laughs) to really settle in there because it's just, you know, a wild land for you know, paranormal type activity and stuff. And you're, you're telling me it's beautiful, you know?
0: so
2: (laughs) Well, it is, but you know, like I said, a lot of weird stuff happens. So if you're one of those types of people that doesn't necessarily have an an open mind towards the paranormal or what things could be, then it would be scary, right? If things happen and you're not, and you don't have that open mind or the right kind of, you know, energy around you, it's going to be scary as opposed to, you know, just, well, that was weird, but, you know, so I, I, maybe it just depends on, on who's, um, you know, who's, who's experiencing the quote unquote weirdness up there. And maybe they experience weird things that I and There's a lot of dog man, uh, uh, sightings up there. So, you know, if I had seen one of those, maybe it wouldn't be so beautiful. Maybe it would be scary and creepy. But, you know, I know a couple of people that have said they've seen dogmen up there. So, you know, that's a whole different ball of wax. If I saw something like that, I would probably say it's a scary place. So I guess it maybe it depends on what happened to those people and, and how they perceive it. But I everything, and I, I don't know that I've ever had anything quote-unquote weird happen to me. But there is, um if you ever go there, there is a, for lack of a better term, a vibe up there that... I guess according to your own energy could be good or bad. And I'm sure if there's a lot of energy up there, because basically the upper peninsula is a giant rock, you know, and rocks hold energy and all kinds of things. So if I'm sure there are areas that are scary, so, you know, it could depend on where you are up there too, where my daughter was, wasn't scary, but I'm sure there are places up there that, that, could be scary. So I don't know. It, it's a weird place though.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I've, I've only ever heard. It's a weird place. So <laughs> I had to ask you about it. Yeah. Uh, so you, if you
2: ever get the chance, go though. If, you, if anybody ever says, Hey, let's, you know, go up to the upper peninsula for three or four days and check it out. Go and you'll see what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah, I actually had a guy message me telling me that I guess his family has some kind of cabin up there or something like that. Uh, He wanted me to come up and hang out and, I guess, go camping with them and stuff. It's just, you know, the Upper Upper Peninsula is a uh, a long way from Philadelphia. So uh, it's kind of hard to get out that way. It is. But...
2: If you get the opportunity, you should go. Everybody in Michigan has a cabin up north. Everybody goes up north. That's, that's just what you do. I don't know if they do that in Pennsylvania. I know it's fairly popular in New York, too, but it's kind of a Midwest thing. Everybody has a place to go up north, and that's where, when you go on vacation, you go up north. Where are you going? Up north. Well, when you say up north in Michigan, everybody knows that means you're going either to the top of the Mitt or you're going up to the UP, because if you're anywhere south of Saginaw, you're not, quote, unquote, up north. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that your friend has a cabin up north in Northern Peninsula because everybody's got a cabin up north.
3: Yeah, well, I would love to get a cabin one day. It is is kind of... A similar thing here in Pennsylvania, a lot of people get cabins. Uh, Pennsylvania is just a very rural state to begin with. I mean, outside of the Philadelphia area and the Pittsburgh area, there's just a lot of woods in between. I mean, there's just a whole lot of nothing, really. And so there's cabins and small right. towns, you know, dispersed all over the place. Uh, but yeah. with your experience that you had in Michigan with a uh, a Bigfoot sighting, where did this happen
2: at? Um, this happened in where we lived. We had uh, 40 acres and it's in, um, we were just north of a town called Atlanta which is a little town between Gaylord and Alpena. Alpena is on the east coast of Michigan, right on Lake Huron and Gaylord is about in the middle of the state of the upper part of the mitt and we were halfway in between those those two in a little town called Atlanta and we were five miles outside of town on a dirt road and we had 40 acres and then across that dirt road, my sister-in-law had 10 acres and then next to us had his brother had 10 acres and then his aunt had 10 acres and his brother had another 10 acres. So, and it went on and on and on throughout the family. So we had, it was all private land for, for miles. It was, private land we were on our 40 acre plot but it was all miles of private land that bordered up to state land so we literally were living out in the middle of the woods where if i wanted to you know hey i'm gonna run to town and get a pack of cigarettes you're gone for 45 minutes because town is you know almost 30 minutes away and then 30 minutes back almost so it's gonna take you 45 minutes to an hour just to go to town and so if you need something from town, you usually got it because there is no just running up to the store up there. We were way out in the middle of nowhere.
3: All right. Well, I mean, if you want, you could just walk us right into, you know, what you experienced.
2: Okay. So the first thing that happened was, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I have my time, you know, a hundred percent right, but my kids were little, like, um you know, three and five or something and they're in their mid twenties now. So this was, you know, I don't know, nineties at some point, but it was springtime. I remember that and it was um, a cold clear night Um, and it was real wet out, you know, things were melting and it was raining. So it was really wet out and we had just put in a screen door in the dining room. We lived in a, it was a little tiny cabin and we moved up there and started building on it and turning it into a house. So, um, we just put the screen door on or, you know, sliding glass door. And then there was like a little lean to over it. And in the middle of the night, probably I would say three o'clock in the morning or something. My husband at the time, he comes up to me and he wakes me up and he goes, come here, come here, come here. You got to hear this. And I'm thinking, whatever. Okay. So we go up to the screen door and we lean out and I'm like, I don't hear anything. (laughs) He goes, just wait a minute. I don't hear anything. He goes, come on, come out here for a second. So we actually went out onto the little porch that there was no walls. It was just the roof. So I'm standing out there freezing to death. And I'm just about to tell him I don't hear anything again. When from across the road, Kind of behind his sister's cabin, there's a row of power lines, and it sounded like it was coming from there, was this sound. And it was like a scream slash roar slash growl. And it was um, from that direction, sounded like it was in the power lines. I'm going to say... Um, I don't, I'm not really good with distances, maybe 400 yards away, 500 yards away, something like that. And I could feel it. Like if you're standing too close to the base at a concert and you can feel the vibration in your chest, I could feel it. And the closest thing that I can relate it to that people will know what I'm talking about is the T-Rex on Jurassic Park. But it didn't sound exactly like that. It kind of had that sound, but there was more of a gravelly growl to it, and there was also more of a higher pitch to it. But that was coming from over there, and I could feel it. You know, like I said, it was—you could feel it reverberating, and it—it would—it went on for—I mean, you know—seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi—probably like ten seconds, and then it would stop. And it was like, What was that? And he's like, Right? That's what I'm trying to show you. And I, I I just couldn't fathom what that was because we had lived up there for years and I had heard i had people go, Oh, it was a fox. You wouldn't believe the noises they make. Okay, well, unless it was a nine hundred pound fox, you know, for me to feel the reverberation from that far away, this is not a fox or a bear or a mountain lion. Right or a goat or anything else that you want to think you think it is. That's not what it was. Cause I've heard all that stuff. I promise you, I've heard all that stuff. I've seen, I saw a mountain lion when I was up there and you know, they swear they're not up there. Well, I, I saw one, so I know they are. This was not that this was something that had a lung capacity that you would not believe. And, the sound coming off of it literally made you made the hair stand up and you could feel it. And it did it. It it drug out for, you know, like I said, 10, 12 seconds, but as loud as it was, it had to have ginormous lungs to go that long with this noise. Then it stopped. And then you didn't hear anything when it stopped. You didn't hear crickets. You didn't hear frogs. You didn't hear anything when it stopped. And then it was about, maybe 30, 40, 50 seconds later and do it again. And it did this on and off like an hour. And I was starting, I'm like, I'm worried it's going to wake up my kids and they're going to be freaking out about what it is. They ended up sleeping through the whole thing. But, you know, we talked about what it could be, what it definitely wasn't, where it was coming from. And in hindsight, at the time, to be honest, Bigfoot never crossed my mind because that was like made up stuff that whatever, it's not even real at the time. This is what I'm thinking. And even if they are real, they're out in the Pacific Northwest. So whatever. And we're, you know, we just could not figure out what this was. And it definitely was, I can tell you what it was. It was organic. It was not um, like a loud speaker thing. It wasn't something mechanical or some kind of machinery, because it was it changed in pitch and it was different um, you know it was different enough, it was kind of the same noise, but different enough that it wasn't like a a machine that was getting turned on or something. you know what i mean it was it was organic, whatever it was, it was organic, and it was going off every however many once a minute or something for like an hour and then In hindsight, I would have, I wish now, knowing what I know now, I wish that I would have listened instead of talking in between those those screens. I wish I would have listened to see if there was some kind of a quote-unquote response coming from farther away that was just on the edge of hearing or something. You know what I mean? But at the time, that's that's not where I was thinking. At the time, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what this is. And, and it's scary because I don't know what this is. It's very close to my house. We live out in the middle of nowhere. Obviously, my husband has a bunch of guns because he's a hunter. We live out in the woods. You have to have, you know, you, you hunt, you literally hunt your own meat, you cut your own firewood. you do all that stuff when you live in that kind of environment. So, but but still, I was nervous because it sounded like whatever it was, was about the size of a T-Rex. And I, I never, you know, I, again, in between these voices, these sounds, we were talking, you know, what do you think it is? What do you think it isn't? Well, it might be, you know, this, that, and the other. And I didn't hear branches breaking or any kind of ruckus or anything like that. But then again, I wasn't listening for it. So I don't know what that was, but I know what that wasn't. And it wasn't a fox and it wasn't a mountain lion and it wasn't a bear. And then probably about maybe a year and a half later, somewhere in there, it was It was quite a little ways after that, but close enough to it. Um, it was summer and it was really hot and I was driving home and I have to explain this road to you so you can understand. I was coming down the highway and I was coming down the highway is called, um, 32 and it goes uh, from East to West, almost the whole way across the top of the mint in Michigan. And I was coming home, I worked in Gaylord, and I was coming home on 32, and I decided to take the back way, which is the dirt roads, rather than going through town and all that stuff. Not like, you know, town is one traffic light, three bars and a bank, basically. But I just didn't want, I was just going to take the back roads. It was a beautiful day and what have you, so I'm going to take the back roads. So I come down 32, and I make a hairpin turn, literally turn around and go back the way I was coming. I make this hairpin turn on this dirt road, And as you're going down this dirt road, so I'm parallel to the expressway or the highway, the two-lane highway. I'm parallel to the highway on this dirt road. And as I go, the dirt road veers to the left a little bit so that the highway and the dirt road get a little farther and farther and farther. You get a little farther from the highway as you go down this road. Well, between the highway and the dirt road is a cedar swamp. Now, I can see... Through the Cedar Swamp to the other side, I can see the sun shining on the highway, and but, I, but inside the Cedar Swamp, all I see is dark. Everything in there looks black because the trees look black, the branches look black, everything looks black because there's no light getting in that Cedar Swamp, really. And it goes down like a ditch, so it's kind of like a piece of pie. So as I'm going farther and farther down this dirt road and getting farther and farther from the highway, this piece of pie that's the Cedar Swamp is getting bigger and bigger and wider and wider, but I can still see through it to the other side where cars are going to their sunshine. So I'm going down the road, this dirt road and I'm not going very fast because it's summertime and the roads are super dry and they get those washboard bumps in them after it rains and your car, you know, if you're going too fast, it can actually make your back end jump around and you can go off the road with these, it's like a, driving on a washboard almost. And it's real dusty, so you don't want to go too fast. You kick up a bunch of dust and choke yourself out. I'm in... um, in the t- At the time, I was in a geotracker. It's kind of like a little Jeep-type thing. And it had a soft top. And I had all my windows down. And I'm going probably... Started out going about 10 miles an hour. Got up to about 15, 20 miles an hour. And... Out of the corner of my eye, I saw something really fast in that swamp. And my first thought was, for whatever reason, my first thought was one of my neighbor's horses got loose and was running around in the swamp or something because what I saw was, was huge and fast. And I'm thinking, you know, no, no nothing can run that fast through a cedar swamp. I mean, it's just muck and branches and brambles and you break your ankle and twist your leg and everything else. So for whatever reason, the first thing that popped in my head was my neighbor's horse got loose. But I kind of slowed down a little bit and I thought, oh, that's not right. And I looked over and when I looked over, I saw, I saw, I was the exact same level, um, head level with this thing. And the Cedar Swamp went down. Um, you know, like I said, it was kind of like a, a, a Little valley ditch in there, so for for the head level to be the same as my head level up on the road in my car, the head of this thing had to be about seven and a half or eight feet off the ground, maybe a little higher than that. So I look over and this is I see a head, I see shoulders, I see an arm back, and I see leg um, a leg forward like a running man like a, the motion of somebody running but it's going through the trees and the trees are blocking parts of it. So don't see the whole thing at the same time, but I see the head. I see an arm forward, like, you know, runners pump their arms when they're running and I saw the leg and the bent knee and the, the foot on the end. But I could also see that when it was running on the back of its arms, there was probably about four inch long hair that I could see, because I'm only seeing the silhouette of it, but the sun is just blasting on the other side. So I can see the hair on the back of the arms, you know, um, bouncing or swishing as it, as it runs. And I can see um, the hair on um, the shoulders, almost like hairy shoulder pads. I can see that hair bouncing up and down as it runs. And I can see the silhouette of the face of, it looks like a person's face. But the head is elongated a little bit. Not necessarily I don't want to say conical because I was seeing it from the side and I'm not sure if it was just a longer head or if it was conical. But no neck whatsoever. Like I said, look like I had shoulder pads on and and the hair bouncing as it's running. And I'm doing like fifteen to twenty. So this thing is doing fifteen to twenty through the swamp. So Okay, it's not a person, but in my brain the only thing I'm processing is that it's a person because what else is gonna run on two legs and and you know, in that that type of stride and be running like that. I mean, nothing else runs like that, so it's a person. So must be some big dude in a furry coat, I guess. And I kind of sped up a little bit, but I didn't want to go too fast because I don't want to make myself crash on these washboard bumps, but I'm this guy's running next to my car. So the only reason somebody's running next to your car is for some nefarious reason. They're not doing it for fun. And it wasn't registering to me at the time, you know, the hair and the speed and the size. This is, this wasn't, I was noticing it, but it wasn't registering. It wasn't processing. So I speed up a little bit and I look over and it's still running. I look over, and it's still running and I'm watching the road, you know, I'm going back and forth to the road cause I don't want to crash. And I look over to the road and I look back and it's gone. So now I'm like, okay, either it stopped and hid behind a tree or something, which is good because I'm going to keep going, or it got ahead of me, and the way it was going and the way I was going, this thing's going to cut me off. So now I'm afraid that who, whatever, whoever this is, is going to cut me off when I get up to the to the to my turn up up here a little bit. So I'm I'm scared a little bit. And again, what do I do? If I'm I, you know, if, you come, if, if the guy jumps out in front of me, I'm just going to run him over or something because I'm not stopping for some weirdo running next to my car.
0: <laughs> and
2: I, <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know what to do really. And so when I got up there, I, you know, I didn't see anything and it never came out um, again, but probably Two years later, I'm coming around that same area, and this time it's winter, and I'm coming around that same area, and when I get up to the curve, there's, um, I go around the curve, and I go maybe 100 feet, and all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, these, this whole, I'm not kidding, 100 or more deer just hauling, tearing it up, running across the street, and they don't even look at me. They are just going, and I'm thinking, something's chasing those deer, and I waited a few minutes to see if it was a dog or coyote or whatever it was, but I didn't see anything, but it was in that same area, so I don't know if, you know, it wasn't until, it wasn't until after, um, it wasn't until after this happened, and I was able to process it, and think, well, wait a minute, if if that thing was the same height as me and I was on the road and I was in my car and it was down there, cause I went back to that area, um, you know, in the daytime, I mean, I saw it in the daytime, but I went back there in the daytime, obviously I'm not going to go back at night and kind of looked a little bit, got out of the car and saw how far down the swamp went, you know, in that little ditch area. And, you know, I was thinking if it's, if it's head was the same height as mine, they had to be at least eight feet to be as tall as me, again, I'm not great with measurements, but, you know, it it wasn't short. And when I looked at the trees that were blocking it, when I could see it running, but it was being blocked a little bit by the trees, you know, obviously it's running past the trees. These trees were huge. So this thing had to be like, not only eight feet tall, we're talking four feet wide, for me to be able to see what I saw. And once you start processing that and run it back through your head, it's like without having somebody right there and showing them what you're looking at, the hardest thing to do is to convey to somebody the, the body mass on these things. It's, it's almost impossible to tell somebody you know, oh yeah, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger on steroids. It was, you know, a gorilla but three times the size. It was no, there's nothing you can say that you're gonna that you're gonna really and truly grasp what somebody's talking about when they talk about how just huge these things are. And how they cannot be seen, I don't know, but kinda have a theory on that too. But anyway, they they the size of this thing was just huge. Just huge. So it was after processing all this and the hair that I could see flying back and the no neck and the hair on the shoulders. There's nothing else this could have been. And it, and and because, you know, the whole dog man thing went through. Because in Michigan, the Michigan dog man, nobody in Michigan, especially northern Michigan that lives there, doesn't know about the Michigan dog man. And, and seriously, that's almost the first thing that's going to pop into your head before Bigfoot does because the Michigan dog man is, is, I don't want to say famous, but you know, kind of in Michigan, it's, it's, everybody knows it. It's the Michigan dog man. Come on. So, but I know it wasn't that because there was no muzzle. There was no, the, the profile of the face was very a human face, a hooded nose, you know, very human face. It wasn't a, a, a dog face at all. So it it was just, it was just huge. And then my dad had a cabin in northern in the U.P. of Michigan. I was telling you, everybody has a cabin up north. My dad had a cabin um, in the U.P. up by Munising. And he actually went in there and he bought the property and he cleared the land off and he built the whole thing by hand. And there was no running water and there was propane lights. And this was out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, the, the, the water was a big plastic tank that he would fill up and then you could turn the thing so that gravity would pull the water down. So you could use it for the, the sink or to wash up or whatever. And behind this cabin was a natural spring. You could just go out there and fill up a cup or drink right from the spring or whatever. It was, it was super good water. I mean, it's the best water you've ever had straight out of the ground. You could drink it. No problem. And it was beautiful up there. Well, um, every, uh, Michigan does their beer, bear beer hunt. Yeah, I wouldn't go on a beer hunt. <laughs> their bear hunts. they do um, a lottery, a drawing. And you have to, of course, you have to have had hunter safety. And you have, to have, um, you have to apply for it. And you have to do all this stuff. And you may or may not get picked for a bear permit. And you could um, put yourself in for these bear hunts. Lottery things for years and never get one. Well, um, my husband at the time he w- he put in for one, and he goes, "I want you to put in for one too. Then we have twice as much chance." And I'm thinking, "What? Are, I'm not gonna, you know, whatever." Okay, here, here's my thing. Put me in. Like I'm gonna go kill a bear. And it was the first time I ever did it, and bam, I got one.
3: Wow, really? And
2: <laughs> yeah, and um, but my area, we when you when you put in for a bear permit. Uh, and you say, I want to hunt, and they have uh, the the UP and the northern, I think it might just be the UP, or it might be and the northern part of Michigan, whatever. They have it divided up into group A, group B, uh, group, you know, A1, B3, whatever. They have all these areas uh, divided up on this map, and you say, I want to apply for a bear permit, and if I get one, I'm going to hunt and you know, my first choice is area A. My second choice is area B, three. My third choice is, you know, whatever. And then they give you a permit for one of those areas that you wanted to hunt. Well, we didn't get a permit for the area where we lived, but I did, the permit that I got was for where my dad's cabin was, way up in the UP in Munising. So, and bear season in October. So, I get this uh, permit, and we... It's in, like, um, I want to say July or August. You get the permit, and it's for October. So for a couple months, you know, we're planning this trip. We get somebody to come up and stay with the kids, and we're going to go. We're going to go to my dad's cabin, and we're going to stay there, and it's going to be October, and it's going to be great because the colors are going to be going. It's going to be fall. We're going to hunt a bear, all this stuff. So we get up there, and, again, this cabin is you have to – drive into the cabin first of all if you don't have a four wheel drive you're not getting there I promise and then if it's winter time even if you have a four wheel drive you're going to park on the street and walk up to the cabin which is about a good eighth of a mile into the woods off this two track dirt road because you're not definitely not getting in there in the winter time even if you do have a four wheel drive so um, we got there and we unpacked our stuff and we got, we were there for a couple of days and we were going to be there a long weekend or something. So we did all our stuff and we hunted for bear a little bit. Didn't really, couldn't really see any sign or whatever. And we were like, you know what? It's really pretty up today. Let's just go for a walk. Let's just, you know, walk. There's no, there's no trails to walk on. There's no hiking trails, no any kind of trails. You just go out in the woods and start walking. well, that's what we did, and um, I'm he. He had a handgun on him just in case we came across, you know, whatever, a rabid raccoon or something. He had a had his gun on. Him. He he can't shoot the bear with the handgun, but he had it for just protection. And we just went out and walked in the woods, and we didn't really know where we were going, so we didn't want to go too terribly far because again, no trails. So you know, let's hope you can find your way back to the cabin. But we were walking. And there was like this meadowy area, and it was um we we did find a um sorry we did find a um game trail that we were walking on. So we're going through and it's just thick thick woods. You're stepping over logs and you're you know going through the bramble. And then we found this game trail. We're like, hey, let's walk the game trail a little bit because it's a little bit easier going. So we were walking the game trail and all of a sudden it was like, you smell that? That smells weird, like like a poopy, skunky, nasty smell. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what that is. It doesn't like, smell like a bear, but I don't know. He's like, it's weird, like some kind of big animal. And I'm like, yeah, weird. And so we're walking along this game trail and I'm like, hey, look at that. And there was like a, a log on the side, a fallen tree, whatever you want to call it. And in this fallen tree was a little piece of, uh, birch bark, like, uh, you know, you take the birch bark off and it kind of rolls up like a little, um, half, it's not rolled up all the way, it's like a little bowl or whatever. And sitting in this birch bark, there was like these little mushrooms and, um, I don't know, some little mossy things and, um... Some kind of berries and seedy looking, but it, you know, looked like somebody had just been walking along, just picking little things and put them in this birch thing, and then set it down on that log and walked away. Well, there's nobody up there. There's nobody up there except us. It's all private land, so, you know, there's not supposed to be anybody up there. There's no trails up there, so nobody's walking through the trails. It was just weird. And then, you know, again, the hindsight, we smelled that smell, and then we found that. And I was wondering afterwards if we didn't come across, we didn't interrupt somebody's lunch. You know what I mean? It it right. it was just weird to find that literally in the middle of nowhere. It was very strange. And then when I moved down here to Florida, one of the first things I did was... Um, because I'd always wanted to do it and I, and um I never really got into quote-unquote researching Bigfoot which I don't I'm I don't really I mean I do I'm into it but I don't you know what I'm saying I'm not not like I'm out there conducting experiments right. or anything you more
3: just kind of explore for your own purposes
2: Right Right and I I really didn't get into that until I was living in Michigan down down in the Detroit metro area well you know had a lot of squatchy going on in Detroit. So um, once I got down here, I had found um, a Sasquatch research group that was close to me, and I contacted them, and I got in with them, and I've gone out on a couple of excursions with them. It's been really fun, and I've, I think I might have found a footprint one time, woo! but I'm not sure. But one thing that happened that was really weird, I was with um, two other guys, And we were walking um, in the Green Swamp area down here. And it was uh, probably like 11 o'clock at night. And we were we're walking. It was a well-traveled trail. might even have been a road, but it went way, way back in the woods. So we're walking. And um, it was weird because... When we got back into the woods, we were on a, kind of just a trail because it was grass covered, but there was no trees, so it was kind of like a trail. And we were walking and we we're talk, kind of talking a little bit, you know, try, not trying to be too loud, but, you know, kind of half joking and talking about stuff. And all of a sudden, we literally stepped into this air. It was, it was a pretty cool night. It was pretty chilly out. I, I was wearing a hoodie, jeans, hiking boots. It wasn't... By any means hot. It was probably like 48 or 53 or, you know, it was chilly out. And we stepped into um, this air that was super hot, like, it's muggy. And all three of us stopped at the same time and looked at each other like, do you feel that? That's just weird. And we backed up a couple steps out of it. stepped forward, we're in it. And then we could smell like this... um, like, you know when something in your house, electrical, starts to burn or spark, you get that electrical um, smell. Kind of like burnt rubber? burning smell. Yeah, but, but but there's that electrical, almost like a metal-y smell to it. But we can smell that. I mean, we're literally out in the middle of a the swamp. There's not a power line or a uh, an electrical appliance or anything within miles of where we're at. So where is this electric smell coming from? So we're just trying to figure it out. We're like, this is the weirdest thing. And I'm like, has this ever happened to you guys before? And they're like, no, we've been doing this a long time. This is the first time this has ever happened. And I'm like, great, you know, this must be me. And it, it just smelled weird. And we'd walk, we got about another three or four steps and we're out of it, back into the cold air and we don't smell it. Back up, you're into the hot air and you can smell it. It was the weirdest thing, and it was a, literally in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't like, you know, oh stand by this shed or something. There was just nothing. It was just a spot where you could feel it, the hot air and smell it, and you step out of it and it wasn't there. I have no idea what that was, but that is definitely one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me, is walking into that patch of, and it was real muggy, hot, humid air with an electrical smell. I don't know it was weird
3: yeah i'd say so so let's just take a break right now and when we come back we'll start winding the show down we'll be right back everybody
1: and Scott from Astonishing Legends and when we're not hunting down ghosts, cryptids and mysteries we're listening to The Confessionals with Tony Merkel. You know,
3: when you saw this creature running alongside your car, you were describing the hair. How long was the the hair, would you say? Was it like long flowing hair or was it more short and stubbled?
2: It was it wasn't it wasn't long and flowing, but it was long enough that I could just see it and it wasn't it wasn't um, like blowing in the wind. It was actually like bouncing as it went up and down. It, the hair would, you could see the hair, um, you know, bouncing on the, when it would go up and stride a little bit, the hair would go up. And you know how, I don't know how to say it. It wasn't like the wind was blowing and it was flowing like long golden hair. It was just bounced. You could see the hair moving and bouncing with the thing as it went. And it was probably like hair that was like, maybe like four inches or it was a little bit longer on the uh, shoulders and the top of the back than it was on the, I could see it on the shoulders in the back and then on the back of the forearm, you know, like where that bone is on your forearm, like that area, I could see the hair moving there, but everywhere else I didn't see the hair bouncing just basically on the shoulders and on the back of the uh of the arms. And that's really like was that's where the hair was longer. So it's probably like four or five inches there, and then the rest of the body, it was probably like two or three inches, like two inches.
0: Okay.
3: All right. So uh when you first heard the vocalizations, your knowledge of Bigfoot at that time was very limited, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. So, I mean, I
2: thought it was... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought it was a bunch of, you know, bunk. I mean, right. I mean, how stupid does that sound, right?
0: Oh, well, no. The giant
2: thing running around in the woods? I mean, yeah. that was my, my point of view at the time was, give me a break.
3: Sure, and I can understand that. Uh, now that you kind of looked into it more and you actually have seen uh, one, so... What are your thoughts on that initial encounter? Do you think it was something that was walking those power lines?
2: I have thought about this and thought about this and thought about this. You know, I don't know. Again, like I said, I wished I would have listened to see if there was one answering it from somewhere far off because I'd be almost willing to bet there was, but I don't know. It wasn't walking the power line. I mean, I think they do walk the power lines because the path of least resistance type thing. I don't, but that night, wherever whatever it was, was stayed in that basically same area. It didn't like get farther away as it went. It was it stayed right there. But um, I don't know if it was like, you know, maybe some like had just lost a young one, and it because it really did sound like. Almost like mourning, or or uh, there was a deep, almost emotion to it. Like it wasn't just a scream, like "get out of here." Or there was there was almost like a emotion behind it. So I don't know if it was, you know, um, something made it mad, or if it was hurt, or if it lost a baby or something i i don't
3: know i really don't all right that's fair enough i mean uh what you're describing to me it sounds to me almost like what i think of is like almost like a a cry out of like almost desperation you know because you keep on saying about the you know losing a baby or if it's hurt i kind of try to picture what what you heard and that's kind of the vibe that i get i don't know if that's kind of what you heard or not though
2: yeah, it, it it definitely had a, a um, emotion to it. And again, that's another reason why I don't I know it wasn't mechanical because it it had feeling behind it. Like it, it just felt it was almost like mournful or sourful a little bit. So I uh, I mean I don't know maybe. Mr. Sasquatch caught Mrs. Sasquatch with somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> Whoever it was sounded like they were in a lot of of you know either either mad or or a lot of pain, you know, or, or broken hearted pain. Not like I mean, I guess it could have been pain, pain like they got hurt. But. Sure,
3: I, I've never heard anybody say know. that before. <laughs> That's too funny. I don't know. That's maybe, too funny. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> so I, maybe their
2: baby got hit or by a car or something. I don't know, but it sounded really it was strong emotional something.
3: Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Emotional crying. I, I get it. You you hinted on something earlier, uh actually a couple of things here, but uh you know, I I just wanted to pick your brain just a little bit real quick. We don't have to be on it long but you mentioned about how everybody in Michigan you know they know about dogman like that's like a given is it kind of like how sasquatch is in the pacific northwest like uh you know washington state where a lot of people just kind of um, they take it for what it is i mean everybody knows about it
2: right um i don't i, I don't think it's the same thing i think that everybody in michigan knows of the michigan dogman because um it's the Michigan Dog Man, and they, one DJ came out with that song and all that. Um, and I think most people know of the Michigan Dog Man. I think in the Pacific Northwest when it comes to Bigfoot, more people are accepting of Bigfoot. If you tell somebody in Washington that you saw Bigfoot, um, you know you have a better chance of them going, oh, that's really cool what it looked like. Um, in Michigan, if you say I saw a Dog Man, people know exactly what you're talking about, but they're still going to think you're not. So I think everybody knows what the dog man is in Michigan, but they're not as accepting of it as they are Bigfoot in the Northwest, if that makes sense.
3: No, it actually makes perfect sense. stuff. I mean, it's a shame because I think that, you know, people who see dog man need to be paid attention to, but uh, it does make Definitely. perfect sense. So
2: definitely. definitely people that you don't that need to be paid attention to because there's too many people, again, the same thing with big, there's too many people that are seeing it that are policemen and judges and doctors and not that that makes them more credible. I, it does with some people, I suppose, but you know, people say, well, it was seen by a policeman," and people go, Oh, well, the cop it must be credible. That's not it. When you say it was seen by a policeman and that makes it more credible, the reason it makes it more credible is not because that person is a cop, but because that person has had specific training and observation skills. Therefore, they are far less likely to misidentify it as something else, as Joe Schmoe's farmer. So when you say, you know, this thing was seen by a policeman, you know, it's not that he's a policeman that makes him all hot, you know, He's a big shot, so he saw it. It must be. It's because of their training. If you get a policeman or a sheriff or somebody like that or a, or a military person who's seen one of these things, a big foot, a dogman, I whatever, what makes that more credible is the training that they've put behind that sighting. And when they tell you they saw a dog walking on two legs, you know, this that, and the other... The chances that that's what they saw are just a little bit higher because they're trained to look for certain things and they're trained on how to observe things. So when they see it, that's what makes it more credible. Not that they're better than us, they're trained better than us. So when they see one, it's a more credible sighting.
3: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, they're, they're training to be observant and aware of their surroundings helps with their credibility because they are professionally trained and it's what they do. Uh, it's what they're supposed to do. So I, I totally agree with you. Right. Uh, what are their your,
2: their lives depend on their ability to observe what's going around them. If they don't observe what's going around them in their job, they could die. So, you know, they, they know how to watch what's going on around
0: them.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Uh, you hinted at it earlier. What are your thoughts on Bigfoot? You know what do you think it is? Actually, let me let me let me rewind here. Before you even touch that, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, what's your theory on how they are not seen?
2: Okay, on how they're not seen. Honestly, I think that the you know people talk about cloaking and all this stuff. I think the absolute biggest reason why they're not seen is because people aren't looking for them. You could walk right past one, and people do this all the time in, uh, you know, Uganda or whatever with mountain gorillas. You can walk right past them and not even know they're there because they know how to put themselves between a tree or a bush or something in you. And I think that um, a lot of times people do see them, but they don't see them. They skim right past them because they don't see, if you don't see an entire outline of a big foot standing right in front of you and you just see part of one sticking out from a bush, You're not, it's not going to register that that's what that is. And I also think that people say, well, we haven't found, you know, how come hunters don't find bones? Okay. Let's say you're out hunting and you find a femur that's whatever, three feet long. Okay. I know it's not a human bone because it's too big. So it must be, what, a cow or an elk or something? That's pretty cool. Toss it aside and keep going. Unless you found a skull, honestly, or a complete skeleton put together, if you just found a femur or a rib or a spine of a Sasquatch you think, wow, that was a big elk, or that was a big... I'm not trained in anthropology or whatever it is. I don't know how to identify a primate femur from a from a, a, a femur from an ungulate like a deer or an elk or a deer. I, I don't. I don't. So if I found a giant femur, I'd say, wow, that was a big deer or a cow or whatever. Toss it the side and keep going. I think people have found big bones. They just didn't know what they were finding. As far as the quote-unquote fossil record it's my understanding that to this day, there's no quote unquote fossil record of the chimpanzee because the soil is too acidic. They live in rainforests mostly and the soil is too acidic and it doesn't preserve bone. There's a lot of animals that we have that we know of that don't have a fossil record because of where they live or how they live that it, their environment is not conducive to keeping bones around. So, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I think people do see them and they just don't know that they see them. I think that's a big part of what it is. And the people that do see them and recognize them for what they are and say something are labeled insane. So a lot of people see them and say they don't or or don't tell anybody.
3: Yeah, no, I I get it. I totally agree with you. Uh, Before we get out of here, if you don't mind... What are your thoughts on what Bigfoot is?
2: Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, mean, I think that... Um, sorry, my dog's barking. I think that I'm conflicted because um, I'm a Christian. So, um, that, and, and, and people... This drives me crazy because people say, well, they don't want anything to come out. That Bigfoot's real, the government, because they would just blow religion away. Why? Why would it blow religion away? I don't understand that. I, I'm I'm a Christian. I think Bigfoot's out there. I know Bigfoot's out there. Uh, what it is, I'm not sure. But you know, you've got the the Bible of, um, drawing a blank right now. Enoch or whatever. But there's, I don't know if it's, if it's if it's uh, a creature that God made and didn't choose to tell us about, or if it's a, um, you know, uh, a type of a person, something that bred with a human, uh, I don't think they're supernatural or interdimensional. But then again, I don't know. You know, there's, there's cases of people that have literally... You know, there's a case of a guy back in the 1800s was walking across the field, his wife and kids saw him disappear in the middle of nowhere, and they went over there, they could hear him, but they couldn't see him, and they never saw him again. So, you know, is there other dimensions and stuff? There could be... I, I don't know. I don't think... I don't know how to put this. I think they're, they're flesh and blood. I think you can kill one. Let's put it that way. Um, I think they're higher than animals. I think there are higher intelligence than animals. I don't think there's dumb beasts. Um, but I don't think they're quote-unquote magic either. So I guess that's what I think they are.
3: So in other words, you don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know. That's fine. That's fine. I, I know what
2: I don't think they are. I don't think they're from outer space. and I don't think they're, you know, certain things. But what they are, until we get one... Where if people can study it, we won't know what they are.
3: Nobody knows what they are. Now, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I, I say the same thing so many times. I really don't know what these things are. I believe that they're out there. I've never seen one, but I've talked to so many people who have seen them that, for me, I just can't ever not believe that they're out there because there's just too many people that I've personally talked to that have seen these things. And so, uh, you know, what they are, I have no idea. I mean, I have some ideas, but right. you know, nothing's for sure. So, well, Missy, listen, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us and sharing your experiences. Uh, fascinating stuff, and uh, I really appreciate it. And if you ever have any other experiences that you'd like to share, feel free to come back on the show.
0: All right,
2: thanks, Tony. I appreciate it.
3: You got it, Missy. Talk to you later. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, go ahead and share it around social media. That means a lot to me when you do that because it helps the show out a ton. Now, don't forget we have the extra long mix at the end of the show for the people who wanted a little extra something. I hope you guys have a great week. Stay safe, take care, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on The Confessionals.
1: style. When I step up in your town, come me Jack Flowers. Bring the sound, homie, make it loud. Pump it up like Joey Bird if you ain't a coward. Take it to the head, aye. One time to the base, give you head, aye. Crack shells to the head break. When it's crunch time, I'ma clutch mine, homie. I'm been hungry like a wolf. Black chain banging against my chest like, whoa. Million dollar mom from the west side, yo. The full moon, you we gon' get yo Stressed out, you the one. Stand down Before we put you in all of your men.
3: to the confessionals mix. <laughs>
0: Hey everybody, this is T.J. Schmorty from Austria and you are listening to the Confessionals Smash-Up Mix with Tony.
1: up mix with Tony. If you like what you hear, check out DJsfrommars.com. See you there. Bye! Let me hear you say Let me hear you say my Let me hear you say These, these I get blessed
0: Havana, na-na Half of my heart is in Havana, He took me back to the East End Nah, nah. Hey. Oh, but my heart is in Havana hey. There's something about his manners uh-huh. Havana I'm Havana She sips a Coca-Cola She can't tell the difference, yet. So the difference, yeah. Coca-Cola, she can't tell the difference. Right? Oh, 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 oh.